Yeah, they had us the first half, I'm not gonna lie. They had us, we weren't defeated, but they had us. But it took guts, it took an attitude, that's all it takes. That's all it takes to be successful is an attitude. And that's what our coach told us, he said, it's the media. You got something to say about wanting to move on, it's the media. And still, you wanted to sit up there and implement yourself in the proceedings by talking about how the game should not be played. He goes to class, he's respectful to the media, he's respectful to the public, and he's a good kid. And he's not a professional athlete, and he doesn't deserve to be Hello and welcome to the second season of the Off Court Podcast, a podcast that explores the critical political economy of sports. My name is Aton Tobin. I am joined as always by my co-host, Abdul Malik. Uh, a Muslim and a Jew talk about sports for 10 more episodes. We are the Chromio of podcasting and to join us on our first ever slander episode of Off Court Podcast, we have Adam from Means TV's Southpaw Sports. How's it going, Adam? Uh, it's it's going great. I'm glad to be here. I didn't realize that we were just doing straight up slander, but now I'm feeling extra juiced. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be maybe two hours of slander because um, <clears throat> Adam uh, Adam's gonna be helping us go through Abdul's insane research into this episode, which included reading basically every book that Don Cherry has written. I did a little bit less brain damage and got to listen to about half of Don Cherry's entire podcast that he started releasing since he was fired from Sportsnet. So um, apologies if me and Abdul are slurring our words and drooling from the mouth because, um, yeah, we've tortured ourselves for the past couple of weeks with this material. Yeah, it's been rough. I I have read a lot of Don Cherry recently. Um, Aton had to listen to the podcast. I'm not sure which one is worse. Uh, but we got a lot to get through, so... I'm just, just going to say, let's dive into it. Let's give a little bit of background for those who don't know. Because, like, everyone knows who Don Cherry is. But, you know, Don Cherry, uh, 86 years old, born Kingston, Ontario, in the year of our Lord, 1934. He was a hockey player, a coach, and host of Hockey Night in Canada, which is, you know, the... What's the show on ESPN with Shaq and Chuck um, inside the NBA? Yeah, it's, yes. the, it's the inside the NBA of the NHL. You know, uh, he he is a very, very well-known right-wing figure in Canadian media, and he was fired from HNIC uh, because he was too racist, uh, finally, um, after... And the thing that got him got, which we'll talk about in the second half, is really funny because it's not even close to the most, like, racist he's been. Adam, uh, as the American interloper into this, did you know that Don Cherry was voted the sixth greatest Canadian of all time? This I is amongst, did. by the way, like the person who invented <laughs> insulin. Yes. Um, Terry Fox, you know, people who did very great things for the history. He was amongst them and beat some of them. I believe he was the head one, of the insulin guy. Number one was the prime minister for the, the your, whatever your health system is, right? Yeah, it was like the guy who gave us socialized health care yes so i did know this because i have already had the podcast about don cherry uh in my past so this is just opening old traumas uh possibly re-exploring <laughs> new ones so um i did know that because john colin from block party uh 
informed me that and it is it is shocking because to Americans Don Cherry is kind of this funny novelty that almost until the modern I don't know what you want to call this era of experiencing sports media through uh not really legal streaming uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we weren't really familiar with sportsnet how sportsnet worked i mean i'm sure people in more northern states are gonna get in the comments and correct me because i know like my grandma has tsn or, or whatever the sportsnet is called um but uh yeah i mean to to us we did not i honestly did not realize that don cherry was like a symbol of canadian nationalistic pride and really, really encompasses a lot of uh, all the things that are rolled up into hockey and Canadian identity, like uh, that uh, is all motivated purely out of an inferiority complex to America. Both like an inferiority complex, which, by the way, Don Cherry exemplifies in full. Like Don Cherry is in a lot of ways like what you would call the model Canadian. Um, and, and I mean that with like a capital C, because like my two <laughs> takeaways from his book are that he's incredibly smug uh that that's just a fucking given right he's also deeply deeply insecure like those are sort of the two foundational elements of our national identity is <laughs> like you know hey we're not the u.s but also shit we're not the u.s right it's like that is don cherry to a t um, Don Cherry claims that he li- he played in every professional league that existed, uh, which specifically was the American Hockey League, Western Hockey League, Eastern Pro Hockey League, and one game in the NHL, uh, because to Don Cherry, those are the only four professional leagues that have ever existed. Um, he coached in the NHL, AHL, uh, and uh, just a quick rundown of like his, I guess, professional <laughs> credentials. <laughs> um he played or coached in 53 cities, 22 different states, and six different provinces. Um, he has had a long career in hockey. Think about everything he's saying from the perspective of, like, what sort of majority rule white Canada thinks, right? Like, I had about 26 pages of notes that I've trimmed down to 10. Uh, but honestly, I could have just thrown fucking darts at a page and come up with uh, something gold here. Because his autobiography is extremely fucking boring Grandpa Simpson-ass anecdotes peppered with just horrific racism. Like, he literally has an onion-on-his-belt monologue about replacing the garter, like, the garter lock on his, um, on his hockey, uh, on his hockey pants with a dime and why that was important. And he goes on for, like, two to three pages about this before going into a defense of Rudy Giuliani. Um, (laughs) yeah, so... Those two share a lot of energy, actually, now when I think about it. They love each other, apparently, if you were to read the book. He's he's won Coach of the Year multiple times uh, in the NHL, which I find inexplicable, to be honest. And he took, he took like, historically, like, in eras where the league has been historically weak, he's taken the Boston Bruins to the, yes. to the Stanley Cup Finals. But, like, this was in that period when, like, hockey was actually transitioning to, like, a very professional. You see it in basketball and, and football, too, right? Where it was, like... Yeah, it was like the last gasp of like a an era of like a league in transition, um, and it really does sort of mean very little. Uh, it was yeah, it's there's lots of parallels we can get into. So his his book sort of begins with he's like I had a friend the other day tell me his 11 year old daughter came home from a soccer game. The daughter and mother were quite quite proud she had a trophy, and dad so the dad said, "Way to go, Wendy." 
What was the score when you won the game? The girl said, oh, dad, we don't keep score in the games. We didn't oh, win. No. We lost. But isn't this trophy great? And I got to thinking, isn't that the way Canada is going? Don't worry about working hard and mm. saving money. We will take care of you from the cradle to the grave. The school thinks they're doing the girl a favor, uh, not humiliating her or hurting her confidence. They're preparing her for a big shock when she faces the real world. You must face the slings and arrows along with the bouquets to be successful. I should know. I have had a lot of arrows in me. And that is like the Don Cherry mindset that like pervades this book is like, we're all soft, right? He won't say gay. He can't. <laughs> he can't use He definitely wants to. He yeah. certainly wants to say it. He, I, I don't know if he probably blames, you know, the French influence is coming, seeping into yeah. the culture. You know, it's it's corrupting the good Anglo stock of Canada. I mean, among the other things like the immigrants, the Europeans, people who wear visors, people who don't wear visors. Swedes. Yeah, Swedes, definitely. But like, yeah, like, here's the thing. Any <laughs> rational person reading this book or reading this would actually think, like, it would be fucking awesome for the government to baby me from the moment I'm born to the moment I'm dead. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know about you, but I could think of nothing better to happen in my life than the government giving me everything and then giving me a trophy for taking their free shit. This sort of idea of, like, a self-made man um, is, like, a deeply incongruous with, like, Don Cherry's actual history, who's someone who's just, like, failed upward into every position he's ever had. Uh, and be also, like, uh, pretty much, like, the model of, I would say, like, even liberal, even liberal Canada sort of follows this mindset, right? It's it's never about social supports. It's just more representation and fucking, um, and fucking bread lines and stuff like that, which isn't specifically pervasive to Canada. But that's one of the reasons I think the Quebec, the Quebecois in Don's eyes are seen as, like, such pussies. Like, it's because they have the best social safety nets in the country. They have subsidized <laughs> child care. They have like, you know, a, a far more aggressive welfare state than the rest of the country has. And it, I, and it also, I guess represents Don's like weird obsession with middle Canada. And I mean, like basically you're saying he can't, he, he decides that he can't, he can say all these things without outright saying that these things are just gay because he can keep putting this on America as well. Like we're also trying not to be Americanized in this process because Canada has its own like British style America. That's a more like proper and interesting than America to him, which is the rhetoric of most fucking right wingers in Canada. Like our conservative party, will always use the threat of American expansionism to fucking vol give validity to their, like, bullshit Canada fucking conservative shit. That's extremely interesting to me. I did not realize that that's, that was, like, a talking point for, like, for conservative Canadians to do whatever, you know, whatever I assume your Canadian first policies are. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that is – that because I, I just would assume that Don Cherry, if asked – you know what he thought about america he would I, I mean i guess it makes sense that he wouldn't probably flat out say america is the best but he certainly thinks it in his heart like or he believes it you know what i mean like oh, which is like just a hilarious contradiction because he's just such a blowhard about like i mean he probably at some point has said like canada if put to the test, like would defeat America in war or something, you know what I mean? Like I'm sure, certain he said something along those lines. I don't want to uh, take up too much of your section of bill, but in his podcast, he goes on some random 
uh, quip about how like American soldiers used to pretend they were Canadian in World War II because then like Germans would basically run off the field or or at least send their best soldiers if they heard the Canadians were coming down the line because <laughs> Canadian soldiers were so good. Which I I have had grandparents who were in the world like World War II. I've learned a lot about World War II. I've never heard about that at all i wanted to say as an american there are many americans who believe that canada does not have a military so just just <laughs> to like, let don't. you know like i grew up i grew up in essentially what is uh what what is you know the saskatchewan or alberta of america and we we are yeah we would have we there are many people out there that certainly think that canada like abolished their military a <laughs> <laughs> uh, full disclosure i grew up i grew up five minutes away from don cherry uh in mississauga <laughs> ontario don cherry claims to have come out of a middle class area of mississauga uh in a little house uh, i have seen don cherry's house it is it is not a mcmansion um i will say that but the neighborhood he lives in is called sherwood park where every street is named after a plot point in robin hood i'm not making this up um, and it is one of the wealthiest parts of Mississauga by a lot. So he's also stealing, like, I guess, middle-class valor. Not that the middle-class fucking exists. And yeah, like, he clearly has... And, and you see this across the spectrum of Canadian politicians as well, right? They'll never, they'll never say they want the U.S. is better than Canada. But, like, there's a reason Jason Kenney is doing, like, or the Premier of Alberta is doing outreach to... Joe Biden and not Justin Trudeau asking for like the Keystone XL pipeline. It's because he sees he sees his more like valuable ally, like uh, Western separatist movements in Canada, uh, like the Alberta independence movement, which is a real thing that exists. Did, uh, did not know that either. Yeah, That's it's hilarious. It really wants to become <laughs> the 51st state, like not an independent nation, just a state of the United States. I've said that about the uh, Alberta exit movement for a minute now, is that they secretly don't want to se separate from Canada. They just want to move on to become a, an American state because that would also just happen naturally. If Alberta seceded from Canada, America would just take over it instantly or they would yeah. welcome it from and what well, I understand. That is the thing, you know, about Canadians to Americans that even, I mean, I'm not trying to get into nationalist rivalries here, but I mean, Canada didn't even really declare independence. So, like, we all know that you guys have kind of, like, a little bit of a subservient quality. Like, you need to be dominated. <laughs> we, we, need, we need daddy America. Yeah, yeah exactly. North so, of course, if, yeah, of course, if, of course, if Alberta, you know, seceded, they would need a new, they would need a new England to come in and just dominate them, to tell them how to spell words incorrectly, to do that kind of stuff. You know, like put the queen on their money, like. <laughs> <laughs> Which probably wow. makes Don Cherry squirm in a seat every single day, as we'll yeah. probably oh, discover more and more. <laughs> so Don Cherry also claims to have to have and have read every book written on Sir Francis Drake, Lawrence of Arabia, Lord Nelson, and Wellington. Um, he's a big British history guy. He's very proud of the fact that his great-grandparents came from County Cork, because of course he is. He is also the model Bostonian, as well as being the model, the model like, uh, you know, Anglo-Canadian, which explains, like, his affinity for the city of Boston. Like, they definitely claim him as one of their own, I'm fucking sure of it. I split my notes on his book into four four distinct sections. The first one is the shortest. It's, it's on his takes on substance abuse, of which he oh, has many... 
He usually calls beer suds, and substance abuse is an individual choice to Don Cherry, which, again, is pervasive throughout, is really pervasive throughout, even in our woke, like, substance abuse and rehabilitation programs in Canada that claim to be uh, user-first uh, are almost always based on some sort of fatuous logic. I'm sure it happens in the U.S. too, but, like, Canada's mm-hmm. far less explicit about this sort of stuff, right? He, he continually refers to alcohol as John Barleycorn, and he, he makes sure to re- remind us that I drank a lot of beer in my playing time, the minors. I'm not proud of it, but I had a good time, and I never got blotto. He, he must tell you he never got blackout drunk. He reminds you of this at four to five times throughout the, his like takes on substance abuse. Um, yeah, and this is it. Again, he's like an anthropologist of hockey is really how he positions himself in his autobiography. Um <laughs> When I was young, studying these guys, these guys being his fellow players, I noticed the sad spectacle of the guy who never knew when to stop when he'd had too much. A lot of the guys who never made it to the big time were bitter guys. The minor leagues and the beers did that to some guys. They figured they'd got the short end of the stick. It was tough to hear the sad tales, but through it all, I sat there with my Coke. Um, I would not have a beer until I turned professional. That's such a lie. Yeah, 100%. This guy is so full of shit. And they this is like Trump then, saying he doesn't then, drink. Yeah, bet, bet, well, I do believe Trump doesn't drink. Like, I do actually believe that one. But because he's neurotic and weird. Uh, and his brother died and weird stuff. But Don Cherry certainly, back when he was playing, certainly drank as a display of masculinity and, uh, and, and insecurity about not fitting in. And then he, he talks about his, he talks a lot about weed. <laughs> like, he dedicates at least <laughs> 10 pages here. Um, so he talks about why people shouldn't smoke joints, and, and he says, like, parents ask him, if, if kids are asked to sp- at a party to smoke a joint, what's the harm? I tell the story of the heartbreak of two parents who wrote to me about their son who was a young hockey player, this is not real, uh, who while at a hockey tournament was late for the bus. The coach came to his room to get him and saw a joint in his room. It wasn't even his, but he wouldn't snitch on whose it was. The coach suspended him there and then from the team. The team went and played the game. When they came back, his roommate found he had committed suicide by hanging himself oh with his belt. God. And I love that that Don Cherry immediate like this child uh, has the brunt of the blame for smoking weed and killing himself. It's not the coach, fucking yeah, overreacting. Like, what does that have to do? What does that have to do with smoking weed? That has literally nothing to do with smoking weed. Like like the the weed did not make the if this story was true, which is like as you said, certainly not. Like that would be insane. <laughs> But, like, if he did kill himself, it would be because he was probably, like, sodomized with a broomstick by his fellow junior hockey players or the coach or both. But, like, Don is not concerned about this aspect of junior hockey. He is, he is concerned with the kids uh, smoking weed and then because uh, that will ruin your life uh, when we punish you for it. He talks about, like, people when you coach the Bruins, a young player got caught with marijuana um, and – there was headlines in the papers. He was suspended. He was never the same. Hey, isn't that the guy that got caught with the joints? The Bruins hollered from the bench to him. Hey, pothead. The players are all tarred with the same brush. If one gets caught, uh, they were, I know what you're thinking. They were mad at him for getting caught. No way. They were ticketed because he made the sport look bad. And they talks about how hockey yeah. players, unlike other sports, i.e. sports with black people in them, have respect for it. They have, they wear shirts and ties uh, from, from cradle to the grave in hockey, you wear shirts and ties. Like it is, it is ridiculous. <clears throat> and you know what, you know what, 
bas- like any other sport has it better because not only do they not have to wear shirts and ties like these fucking children in hockey, they also make five to ten times more um, on average. And are more impressive athletes overall, which is why I think – no offense. I mean, I'm just going to shit on hockey for a bit, but I just don't <laughs> – when I'm watching hockey, I'm not even half as impressed in the athleticism that I see throughout basketball or football as I am. And I do think about what you're saying about how much of babies these guys probably are because also, in my opinion, fighting in hockey is an overcompensation for the sport. Uh, anyways, actually, I'll stop because um, I think uh, hockey fans will be listening to this, so I shouldn't <laughs> shit too much on NHL. I, I mean, that is like one of the things with hockey is that it is it is a very strange performance professionally and then culturally for Canadians in uh, and, and some Americans is that the NHL fan is this weird amalgamation of NFL fan, but they also have the insecurity of like an MLS fan. So they have like the <laughs> like my sport shit, but like then you roll in this Canadian thing where they both a want Americans to accept that the, that cocky is the superior sport, but at the same time, they don't want us to like it because then they won't have anything that makes them special. Yes. And, and it, it's very weird. Yeah. It's like how they put this on the kids where it's just like, you have to do this for us. And then they, they make it so singular, but like, then like you're saying, it's like they made these kids into these, like these like things that like, are only special in Canada to like 200,000 people, (laughs) you know, like no to nobody. uh, Hockey is like a, Oh, oh, sorry. No, no. I was also going to say that I think it just represents like this idea of like a changing America and Canada to both sides. That's the, like, in my opinion, the partisan shared value of hockey to both America and Canada is that it remains the whitest sport among all the major sports. And that's why Mm -hmm. it's an extension of what we're discussing. Don't get me wrong. Like I am a I am a hockey fan. I really like the Oilers. Uh, they are like incredibly impressive athletes. I I personally don't think as impressive as a lot of other sports. Um, but hockey is also sits at this very interesting confluence of like privilege, right? Because it is mm-hmm. yes. it is the lowest paid professional sport of the big four. The other thing is it's also the sport that's the most gate kept because the cost of getting pro yep. in hockey is so prof- is so fucking expensive, right? Like from from childhood to adulthood like it is an investment easily in the 30s to 50s of thousands of dollars right if not more once you factor in like not just equipment but like camps training like there's i think there's only 61 oh definitely less than that there's like yeah there's like 40 something d1 hockey colleges and almost all the leagues are paid to play uh the minor leagues are paid to play so like players don't actually get paid money in them um, which means that you are either suffering because you really want to play this game or someone like your family or someone like that is backing you up, right? Like, so it's, it is this very intriguing, like, complex that develops within hockey players knowing that they're the, you know, both simultaneously most privileged to get where they are, but also the least compensated for that privilege, which I think, again, like, pervades throughout the identity of, like, Don Cherry and Canadian hockey in general. He talks a lot about other joints. He says, like, uh, you know, the NHL has a strict drug policy, which is very good. Uh, and then he he says, he talks about how he said to his team once when the New York Rangers had uh, exonerated a player for smoking a joint, he said to his players, don't expect that to me. If one of you guys gets caught with drugs, I'll cut your heart out. I will not only will ruin your life, I'll make it so that you have no life when you go back to Canada. And don't come begging for mercy. You'll get none. 
Um, I'd like to say, A, it uh, the NHL has been does not test for weed for a very long time now. And B, uh, Don Cherry also probably really loves the 1980 era of Edmonton Oilers, which were just like downing cocaine by the fucking yeah, pound. That's <laughs> literally what I was just thinking. Like, didn't like the NHL's drug problem uh, be, like continue to be pervasive up until recently too, and was like addressed yes. in like uh, recent articles about MDMA and cocaine use. Yes, well, it's a shame that cocaine has been a consistent problem throughout the league it, to this day. Yes, it's a shame thing, right? It's not that it's not like what Don, reading between the lines. What Don Cherry is saying is not don't do drugs. It's don't get caught with drugs. It's like I don't I don't want to see that shit because like it'll reflect badly on me. He's also. Again, in a very Canadian sense, both smug, um, insecure, and also deeply vain. Right? He's never and, he's never once named a real problem with doing drugs other than he will cut your heart out. Like that sounds like a Don Cherry problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I go into section two, which is racism and nationalism. Don Cherry has a whole section of book of his book dedicated to his trip to Afghanistan. He had done. He talks about doing a tribute for his fallen soldiers on Hockey Night in Canada, and how he got letters. He says he talks a lot about the letters. He yes. he he writes all the positive letters he gets in this book. He writes some of the bad ones. Like he is responding to all of them. Uh, I don't believe any of these letters exist. Uh, but yeah, like he says, they get stopped in airport from military dads thanking them for paying tribute to their sons. Uh, categorically untrue. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, he says that after doing this Fallen Soldiers tribute, he felt uncomfortable and decided, I'm going to go to Afghanistan and meet our troops in person. So, Don Cherry's trip to Afghanistan, I, I could make a whole fucking episode on this, I won't. So he, he talks about how he has to go with a French-Canadian singer and finds out that they're meeting <laughs> that they're meeting the French battalion. Uh, which oh, really no. the gay the gay battalion yeah and so they he talks about going to a museum in i think it's it's either dakar or abu dhabi i didn't write the city down but like uh yeah he goes to a museum on his way to afghanistan and i love his de- decision of the museum he also has gout by the way this whole trip he has gout but he won't tell <laughs> oh anyone God. He won't tell anyone he has gout because he's meeting the troops and he doesn't want them to think he's a pussy. Oh my god! So he's limping along through the Middle East. Too much salami. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, the museum is mostly vases and stuff. Everyone else decides to go shopping. Got to go with them. Can't be chicken. I limp along. I notice the natives, Arabs, never look you in the eye and walk head down. These guys are supposed to be friendly, but you could almost feel the hate. Big shots walking around in our house was the attitude. My toe is throbbing. <laughs> I like the thought of him sweating through his tight fucking collar as like he yeah, he just hates stares at Arabic people walking by him like innocuously like, on the street. They didn't even have swords in their museum. What a bunch of fucking loser culture this is. <laughs> um and then he he like through the course of the trip which I won't go over. He he says the special forces later sent me a framed picture of them with their special knife and a plaque that says from warrior to a warrior. Thanks for your support. It is in a place of honor in our house. I asked if I could show it on TV. They said, don't even mention it. (laughs) Honestly, I'm surprised that Donald Trump and Don Cherry never became best friends. Like they are made for each other. 
like they, he got they both little... have the same infatuation with the army and they both get receive that same like validation that somehow they have also they're also like veterans of war he does well, talk about how he would have gone to war if he wasn't a construction always with those the sports warrior guys is just like such a pathology where they like it and it's always an excuse they are like literally the epitomization of like the felix biederman character of like yes. hold me back bro like yes. where it's just like it, yeah it's like don in his mind legitimately thinks that like playing hockey is like the equivalent to like storming the beaches of normandy like yeah. like it is it is on the same like emotional level that it would take to prepare for like a wednesday night nhl game in fucking arizona takes like the same gall that it takes like sit in a fucking boat with machine gun fire over the top of you yeah he's he's proving that theory that like less in like people with lower iqs glorify the boys in blue and the troops and everything he's just like because the infatuation that he has with these like factions of government is also just insane and almost like sexual to your point to your point, they do let him pull the ripcord on the mortar shell, which brings him yeah, like a childlike exactly. amount of joy. But the other thing I get from reading this is that Don Cherry is extremely gullible and just believes anything someone he respects tells him. So he's like oh, sitting. Yes. Oh, yes. He's sitting on the top of the forces base or whatever, and the soldier tells him, points to a, a ridge not far away and says, the Taliban are just over there. He says, don't worry, they won't bother us. Evidently, when the special forces go out at night, they don't go looking for prisoners. I tell you, it's a strange feeling to stand on top of a building with a beautiful moon shining down, watching a ball hockey game, knowing the Taliban are just over the ridge. (laughs) As I gaze at the full moon and look around at these proud, brave, utterly fearless warriors, I feel proud to be Canadian. I don't even remember how Canada even got roped into the fucking war on terror. Like... Like, this is what's so funny. It's like, probably, like, Don probably only likes this so much because, A, yes, he likes the military a lot. But, like, I have to imagine that Canadian adventures into the Middle East for America were not popular with anyone. So, no, he, when he actually came out, this was around 2004 in support of the Iraq war. And he on like, this was on hockey night in Canada. They didn't fire him for this. He argued live with Ron McLean about how I'm um, like, he's sad that Canadian troops have to just stand there and watch as the beautiful American soldiers go to Iraq <laughs> and fight like Saddam and everything. And, 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 and uh, actual like conservative voters were, would say stick to sports around that time to Don really would complain to the CBC that Don is talking too much about politics because wow. they, for the most part, there wasn't support for the Iraq war. Yeah, like like the Afghanistan war is very explainable because like it was immediately post nine eleven, yes. the coalition yeah. were willing, whatever, whatever. Like um, the Iraq war in Canada was far more of like a controversial topic, and like no one in like very few people in Canada <laughs> thought it was a good use of time or resources, and the. That was right before the Conservative Party got elected for their like yeah. massive term mm-hmm. that they just that they abdicated with Justin Trudeau, but like they saw how much this would take their electoral chances because it was so deeply like I was at the anti Iraq marches in in Toronto as a kid and like 
Doug, I have never seen a march that big in the country since or before. Like, it was Mm -hmm. absolutely enormous. Can I just, uh, I'm just going to read the quote from that interview quick, which is, I hate to see them go it alone. We have a country that comes to our rescue all the time, and we're just riding their coattails. So, good lord. More of the American uh, infantilization. One thing I will add to this is, is you made a good point about. This, this hockey privilege and like who it serves. And it's just very invocative. Like Don Cherry's obsession with the military and how he could have gone is very much like what motivated early amateurism of sport, like yes. with muscular Christianity and shit like that. Yeah. And like, he just sounds like, Teddy Roosevelt. Like when you find out like Teddy uh-huh. Roosevelt was actually just like yeah. this spoiled rich kid that was like really mad. He couldn't prove like how many pushups he did by killing a Brown person. It's like the same thing. And it's like, that's, you know, it's, it's just, it's that's, that's where this like obsession with the military comes from is like Don just knowing that he can't meet his own expectations of masculinity, <laughs> and which then- are absurd, which are absurd expectations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then he goes he goes to Sochi, Russia. And I never thought Don Cherry would be a big Russia guy when he went to the Olympics, but he was a fan. I will say Don oh. Cherry is mad that airport security didn't harass him. The German <laughs> the German customs guy looks at my at, at my passport, doesn't even look at me. Is talking to another guy and tosses a passport back to me. Very rude. And then he has to pay like for oversized luggage and they only accept euros and he's like, "Where the hell can I get euros?" Borrow some from the CBC people. Pay them in Canadian. It is a scam. Oh my God. Everybody... Why is he equating the euro to just like our socialism? I I've never been so uh, like I've never seen someone pissed to not be given guff by like an airport security yeah. person. But because they're wanted to talk shit about them so badly. That's why. And then he says, yeah, I got zonked for 1800 or Cassie Campbell with HNIC. God's... Which, by the way, HNIC is my favorite acronym for Hockey Night in Canada because like I just think about fucking coach carter <laughs> um but yeah like Godzong for eighteen hundred dollars welcome to europe and then he goes to russia but this is my can't believe we are in russia the people are friendly and polite and helpful and speak english perfect where is it my country canada at the airport i can hardly understand anybody and they couldn't care if you lived or died i'm They're speaking I'm... that frog gobbledygook <laughs> he's actually speaking about arabs he's speaking about because oh, really? see... Sikh people are overrepresented in the Canadian border services for some reason. Like, I do think they have a diversity Mm. mandate. That's what he's really talking about. (laughs) He then, in terms of racism, dedicates the end of his book to going mask off and, like, talks about immigrant immigrant kids playing in the CHL and how they've taken opportunities away from Canadian kids who have spent thousands of dollars and paid taxes and bought equipment in Canada... Um, he talks about like how they take our bread and honey and then go back. And he's told that there are illegal immigrants living in Canada that are upset at the way they're being treated because they're given too much chicken. Meanwhile, we have seniors living in one room eating dog food. And it's like, hey, Don, you can do both. You fucking jackass. Like, this is the part I don't get. It's like for him and Don Cherry's like equation of life. Again, very Canadian, very right wing. It's like if someone is succeeding, someone else must be failing, right? It's not even a question of, like, this is a a weird imbalance or, like, a, an incoherent worldview. He's like, for someone to succeed, someone else may lose. He does spend a ton of, like, a full section of the book defending, explicitly defending Rudy Giuliani's broken windows policing and then calling basketball players thugs, talking about how they don't have respect for the game, 
because mm-hmm. uh, basketball is full of violent acts uh, such as guns and knives and oh right yeah and uh hockey does not have that their kids wear suits and respect the game hockey players coming to town is like a breath of fresh air after baseball football and basketball players they only participate in sanctioned violence i won't go too deeply into sexism because everyone knows about a sexism (laughs) but like he anytime he talks about being interviewed by a reporter he always identifies if it's a woman reporter or not he talks about uh the biggest reaction he ever got on hockey night in canada before he got fired this book was obviously written before that was uh, his comment on like how women shouldn't go into men's dressing rooms and women and the wives of the players agreed with him and stuff like that, which I think is incredible. Talks about, I would not want my daughter to be in the dressing room. Uh, all that like obvious shit. And then talks about going off on a reporter who, because he was the face of cold effects, right? A cold medication that was clinically proven to never work. And... <laughs> And the woman investigator starts on him in an investigative piece on it. And then he says, she is used to people that are not on TV and she bullies them. Little does she know this is my world. And they corners her on a technicality, yells at her, and then ends that section of the book by saying, that's how they work. So when you see all these programs that investigate, take it all with a grain of salt. I'm sure he loves vaccines. Yeah, and he's like, one paper had a female reporter who knew nothing about hockey. Her job was to get me, but she was so oblivious she never really got me. I know we're going a little long on this section, but I do really need okay. to talk about hazing. This is the part I really wanted to get into, and I did save it for last on, on my part of it. His description of hazing. After practice, we all showered and were naked. The vet said, we need three guys on the floor laying on their backs. Meanwhile, everyone was betting, including hot stuff. That's another player he's describing. You get in the middle. He got in the middle, and they were told to entwine their legs and arms around each other so the one guy could lift the three of them. Hot stuff was in the middle, and the guy was lifting, said, Now, can anyone move? All three said, No, this is describing like a human centipede style diagram. Yeah, they're all naked while doing this, right? Yeah. Uh, The guy said, Okay, he's ready. Four guys came out dressed as barbers with towels and razors and soap and proceeded to shave around the private parts of hot stuff. And so this is how they des- he describes, like, hazing. He said, you know, when I was in Sudbury, uh-huh. we had an American trainer who was a rookie. I knew the players were going to get him. And this is the scariest anecdote from the book, by the way. I knew the players were going to get him, so I took him aside and said, look, the players are going to haze you. Just go along with it. Don't fight them. They got him, and he did fight back. He put up a good fight, but they broke his arm. You can't win against 18 guys. Um, this is, by the way, directly followed by a thing about him saying drills in hockey are bad because players get hurt. Um, and they should only <laughs> scrimmage. But, but sexual humiliation and uh, yeah. just the implicit threat of homosexuality, that, is, uh, that, it, that builds yeah. good hockey teams. Taking, taking straight razors to each, other, each other's crotches in, like a, in, a, in a heated fucking state, that, that's cool. And he's like, when I was in Rochester, there was a guy, the most obnoxious little rookie ever. If he wasn't playing, he'd phone his agent. It was like he'd been in the league for years. I knew sooner or later they'd get him. Sure enough, in a hotel room after a game, they grabbed him. Now this guy had lovely hair. It was his pride and joy, always blow-drying, gel. So instead of shaving his crotch, they shaved half his head. He went nuts crying, threatening to sue us, take us to court. Funny thing is, while this was going on, the coach walked by the room, looked in, had an idea of what was going on, kept on walking. He was happy the stiff was getting his, as they say. And then he says, I never really liked hazing. It always seemed like it broke too many players. And then it hurt. 
like it destroyed lives. Mm. I saw a couple of guys never recover from the hazing. There was only one hazing I loved when they shaved the guy, head of the guy in Rochester. We all liked it, especially when the little rat cried. Like Don Cherry should be, I, I'm not going to say it on air. Um, but like, you know, how do you look at someone like this and think he's like any sort of role model or hero? Like how, like this is the part that again, confounds me. Like, what parent would actually read this, like normal parent, and think this is like the model for what they want their kids to be or go into, right? Because right. you know it's only dads reading this book. Kids are not reading this book. This is going to be like Don Cherry fans who are in their 50s. To, to be honest, you're, you're kind of answering your own question, Abdul. Dads would read this book and think I should put my child through hockey so they can become a man like Don Grapes well, Cherry. That's always, you know, the thing that pervades kind of like – this justification for like how we elevate youth sports in both of our countries and the world, honestly, I mean, and it's, it's like implied that you play sports, even if you're not going to become a professional, because that is the goal, which is very perverse to me that like, that is the goal. But the other goal that justifies this like intense professionalization of children is that we build character and to a lot of people, building character is getting to do things to your child that you would that would normally be just mm-hmm. abhorrent, and, and you would go to jail for it. Yes. But like through sports, <laughs> you can abuse your child in a way that will toughen them up in in a, in a positive in a positive manner, though. Right. Even Don Cherry is like he's he's not going so far to defend it but he says it is an institution that he's not going to touch even though he describes literal men being destroyed mentally never returning like like it's like you know like they they had their minds broken by this and he's like well it is worth the cost like to me like to have (laughs) great hockey men it sounded like he said it's worth the cost in that little excerpt just because he thought it was so funny when they shaved that guy's head. Yeah. It was like it was like worth it to get to get for me to get to see that one time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like and this is sort of it, right? Like uh, the worst thing to happen to professional sports is Protest- uh, Protestantism, you know what I mean? And like yeah. everything about Don Cherry is like emblematic of this like very specific sort of like Protestant work ethic you know protestant value around like Mm -hmm. the nature of work and the nature of harm and the nature of Mm -hmm. suffering right like um and it is again like also very uniquely canadian like i do think that's one of the reasons he hates the quebecois right like say what you will about catholicism at least it has some sort of sense of community value attached to its like doctrines that that like completely doesn't exist both under uh you know pervasive you know Christian Protestantism yes. and under neoliberalism, right? Like, like to Don mm-hmm. Cherry, anything that that genuinely builds community that is not created through struggle or violence is not actualized. It's not real. It's not. It's not coherent and it's not long lasting. Right? It's not Despite, through yeah. like great men asserting their dominance. Yes, is is what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like, and it's like you know, just on a historical level, like blatantly untrue. Like, <laughs> like yeah. We we tend to focus on like historical uh, warfare and and suffering more because they're interesting, but like those are you know interrupted by longer periods of peace and like building a like community and stuff like that. Violence is the excuse me is the exception actually, not the fucking rule, right? Whereas Don Cherry 
and like a majority of, of people like Don Cherry sort of see it inversely, right? That is like the fucking sickness that pervades our entire country. I'll end with two very small quotes uh, before we go to break here. One is from his trip to Sochi, which I do think is very funny, where he says, Russia, everything here is in English and Russian. The signs on the buses, the songs for figure skaters, the songs at the games and the hotels and at the airport. Do the Quebec language police know about this? It's <laughs> ironic that Russians have English to help us in Russia. <laughs> and then this is when he's uh, he talks about like the thing that brought him the most uh, uh, lashback on TV and the women's locker room thing. And he says, what people ask me, what did I get the most flack for on TV? Was it when you called the Jets assistant coach Alpo Suhonen dog food? Or when you said Paca Raticalio was as yellow as a duck's foot? Or when you said at the Chicago All-Star game when asked to comment about people burning the U.S. flag? How come these kooks are always protesting and burning flags during the afternoon? Don't they ever work? When you called someone who didn't agree with you on fights, pukes? When you and Ron McLean argued whether Canada should have gone help the U.S. in the Gulf War and the CBC couldn't stop you, or when you had your picture taken with a female bull terrier in Edmonton sweater and you said that bitch didn't mean anything to me, or when the French got mad at you about a visor statement and you got booed by the Bloc in Parliament, the Bloc Québécois, the French uh, political party, for those who don't know. I love how he takes all of these as a sign of pride, right? Like Don Cherry, and this is exemplified by the life jacket anecdote, actually has no sense of introspection for his autobiography like all he can do is relate experiences because he has zero capacity to look inward right he can never diagnose an issue within himself he was perfect and the world moved around him which also by the way explains his doc manhattan fucking style of writing (laughs) right (laughs) like and again like you you meet any hockey dad any crazy like uh, Sure, I'm telling on myself here, but hopefully I won't be working at this place when I uh, when this episode comes out. Like at the labor union I work at, there is a guy, and he's a nice guy. You know, don't get me wrong. His kid is a, he's a hockey dad. His kid is probably going to go pro. Um, that's almost a guarantee as a goalie, right? Uh, very talented, but he's like this. He has no capacity to talk about himself. He can only talk about glory days. Yep. He does my job as well. Like we do the same job. He talks about his time in the film industry all the people he's met, all the people he knew, all the filmmakers he once worked with, like how his kid's doing, but he's never able to talk about himself on any other level than experiences. And he reminds me, he's much nicer than Don Cherry, don't get me wrong, but it's like, it is this very specific brand of person, and like, especially the people who get their kids into hockey because they could never cut it, you know what I mean? Like, they can only live vicariously through history and the future and like never in the fucking present which is the most like Don Cherry thing ever. Are you into video games or ever wondered why something like video games is even important to be discussed, to be listened to? If so, check out Buffs and Nerfs, another podcast from the Mind Refinery. Hosts Andrew and Sam will talk about the latest from the gaming world and dive deep into the culture of games. From the game mechanics of Destiny 2, which... God, stop Bungie making me spend money and play your fucking video game. I got to do research for this podcast. Uh, to the future of cloud gaming, they explore the relevance of gaming through personal experience and their impact on society. That was a great episode, too. I highly recommend listening to this podcast. And we are back. Aton, we will end the episode uh, with a section on Don Cherry's... So Don Cherry was fired for saying that immigrants don't wear poppies and they don't respect Canada. Of, of all the things in the book that I've described, I don't know 
how that was the thing that got him. It was because it like equated. Yeah, it was because it broke kayfabe, right? I think that's why Don Cherry was fired. It wasn't because he he said anything that a lot of people don't believe. It was literally because he just said the quiet part loud uh, and ta- and like talked about our military, right? He dragged the military into his racism in a way that was untenable. Yeah, and I uh, I have a friend who I won't name who has been doing Hockey Night in Canada for almost half a decade now. So that was around the time that uh, he had Don Cherry in his ear requesting certain clips as well. The whole crew was talking about this around the time that, like, they, first of all, they were shocked that the CBC had never put a tape delay on Don so they can just, like, cut out these things that he said because he had been saying these kinds of things for decades at this point. And two, it just... I think it's a bit obvious to make this observation, but it was just a sign of the times at the end of the day, like Canadian society and like online society, like culture in general, just wasn't going to stand by things like that said anymore, because as we've gone through, Don has been saying this kind of shit on air broadcasted on either Sportsnet or the CBC forever. And this is just the, the straw that broke the camel's back at the end of the day. So I'll pass it off to you, Aton, um, who has listened to his entire podcast. I'm so sorry. You know what? I'm just going to play DJ here, and I'm going to let Adam and Abdul just comment about these clips that I've provided for them. So I, I went through the first two episodes of the podcast just to get an idea of how they launched it. And then I went on and basically just uh, went through every episode that seemed to indicate that they were going to hit on something political of some kind. Um, so we're going to start off with uh, in the first episode, obviously, he has to go through uh, the rebuttal to his cancellation since he didn't get the plat- the platform to explain why he uh, he uh, blamed you people for not wearing uh, poppies on Sportsnet. And we're not going to explain the poppy thing. Everyone knows. A mailstorm. So everybody wants to know kind of your version, a long version of what happened. Well, you heard Ron's version. I'm not going to. He's still a friend. I'm a little disappointed, but I won't go any further than that. Backstabbing No, what happened shit. was evidently I said something, and everybody knows what I said. And uh, I offered to uh, explain and um, not an apology, but I was going to smooth it over. And they made, they, they made conditions that made it impossible for me to do it. I, just I had to say sorry. It. I had to apologize. And, uh, I guess I bit the belt, and that's – you bite the bullet, you – not, I don't know what else to say. I, I said what I said. I still say it. I still say everybody in Canada should wear a poppy. said it before, and I'll say it again. Young men died over there for our way of life, and we do our way of life, and we love and the milk and honey. Yes, I use the word milk and honey because that's what we have. We have the best country in the world, and I still believe everybody should wear a poppy, and evidently that uh, I said something and upset Sportsnet, and... They can me, and I am now unemployed except for doing this beautiful podcast. Which is a jobs program, by the way. Wait, what? Oh, I forgot you guys have, like, that arts shit. That applies to fucking podcasts? It does, get, but I not... Got, I gotta move. I gotta, get, I gotta immigrate. Oh. No, it's it's a jobs program for his family, Aton. <laughs> Oh, so he roped in his son. Uh, that's his son talking at the beginning of the podcast. 
Um, his grandson is the producer. So that that's definitely the person who didn't want to get involved. And they basically just pointed at him at dinner and said, you know, computers, uh, boy, like, <laughs> you're going to edit this. Eventually, his daughter joins the podcast, as we'll hear. They do actually. They, so there's no sponsors at the beginning, but they do get like uh, I forget which betting company, but it's either like Bet DSI or whatever. <laughs> they, have in Canada. they do get that sponsorship at one point so who knows actually how much money it's a it's a russian it's a russian betting site that you get (laughs) ads on when you torrent like a cam rip of a movie like one xbet.com or something i I don't want to spoil it but he does they do end up getting a sponsorship later in the episodes for a uh indigenous uh betting app which is actually kind of cool i didn't know we had that in canada he cannot stop calling them uh indians uh we'll get to that (laughs) but uh just uh in this episode he does go he doesn't explain anything about his poppy's thing it's just more of like the right-wing rhetoric and you know uh respecting our fallen soldiers he does go on to explain all the people who supported him in this uh in his outburst not not ron mcclain though who is very no. mad did not quit because he was <laughs> he kept demanding that ron quit and ron was like why would i do that i make a million dollars a year doing this yes. i'm younger than you don i have a life ahead of me and also, Ron can't become a right-wing podcast grifter when this is all over, which is, you know, we, we do have to remind ourselves that when Don Cherry got fired, he immediately was on Tucker Carlson the next day. Like, there is a pipeline for, like, right-wing reactionary and the cancellation. There's a cancellation media circuit, basically, and Don mm-hmm. Cherry is officially on it. But, yeah, these are all the people who called him to uh, thank him and support him. Like, right after that, the whole thing happened, did, did anybody come and say anything to you? No, and, and nobody, I, no, nobody did. And uh, I just assumed I was, I never got a letter. I never got anything. I just assumed they knew it was over. And, and there was a few guys in there that uh, they were good guys. But I mean, I guess. Um, no, I'm saying like after, after the coach's corner. Oh, you mean, the, for, you mean guys that phoned me? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to get them in trouble. But uh, a lot of guys phoned me that uh, a lot of hockey players phoned me. A lot of general managers for me. A lot of people. A lot of guys from the service I left the message. Guys were dropping in the. <laughs> That's a classic right wing move. Is to say like people in secret me. are supporting me. Like they are calling me and yeah, saying they Carmen, love you. Um, tried, went by the, the outside, beeped their horn, turned around, beeped their horn again. The service. The way I feel about it, the policemen are with me. The servicemen are with me. Um, Yes. And like that, that is the whole podcast, by the way, is just like Grandpa Simpson, the podcast. The real reason why Don Sherry got fired was because Bill Peters had just had his thing. That's that's why. And so like he's like he couldn't figure out the Bill Peters thing either when this all happened. Like this was just like, well, I don't understand why you can't have an objection to rap music like and yeah. So like that's just yeah, so much of his, you know, his thing. For those who don't know, Bill Peters is the disgraced, abusive, racist fucking coach of the, uh, was the Flames? Yeah, it was. It was the Flames. Yeah. Hurricanes before that. Yeah. Um, our Flames, arguably the, just genuinely the worst fucking franchise in the NHL off the ice in terms of like what they've done to that city and, uh, Bill Peters in general, uh, they, they fleeced the city for half a billion dollars. They cut funding from a new train line. To fund that stadium it makes me so fucking angry uh someone who lives three hours north of calgary um but yeah like that's the, and and yeah he was an abusive piece of shit um and yeah got fired and don cherry had very little to say about it 
Yeah, he clearly like that, that that this episode that I went through is just like as you just heard all these random stories about all the times he got fired. It goes back to him and no <laughs> self-reflection, just him talking about all the the fucking people who gave him like the stink guy as he had to leave the fucking building that he got fired from. Um so this is where we have to go um to the episode around the time that uh the um the NBA shut down for um Oh, oh yeah. This is this is before this. This is when Black Lives Matter protests were happening um throughout the country in the summer and of course they don't talk about any of the merit of those protests. They it's this episode's called Supporting the Police. Um so let's go through that oh. thing about how the the police can never win in this climate. Heidi, uh, and, but I, I think of the police, and I, and I think the police are having a tough time. They can't win. Uh, and I think one guy said to me one time, he said, if you want to be a, a hero, be a firefighter. I mean, firefighters, and we talk about, uh, and don't, don't be a policeman because you never win. If they do anything good, it's, it's never in the paper or it's on the fifth page or something like that. But if let them do something bad, I mean, it's all over then. I, 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 they're out, they got, like, it, it, it is amazing how in most of the media, not, not the Toronto Sun, but all the other ones, how... <laughs> Joe Warmington's pretty good. Joe Warmington, but on the other media is that the police are now completely... So, by the way, Adam, uh, the Toronto Sun is like our sensationalist right-wing tabloid magazine, and Joe Warmington is like their like, right-wing like truth teller, and he's always like talking about rising crime the in Toronto. The Toronto Sun like called my sister a member of Hezbollah when she was running for school trustee... <laughs> Um, like, I didn't know that. Yeah, when she was running for political <laughs> office, so they fun. they ran the fucking campaign that got like actual neo Nazis to like oh you know God. put flyers on her fucking office and shit like that. That's where Ezra Levant guy start with Sun News uh, before he went to Rebel Media. Um, we're going a bit long too, guys. Is that we I have like just a few more clips of the cops and a few more clips of the U.S. election. Do we we want to get through that? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I can. We can we can trim it down for size easily. Cool. How completely villainized, you know, like it's just it's. What's it's, that cartoon that? Uh, well, there was uh, <laughs> well a couple of things that that uh, remember A and E had Live PD, and that was the number one cable show in things. What was it? People even? actually like the cops because they watched yeah, that fucking uh, Jean Claude Van Damme sheriff show. Uh, <laughs> well, they really shows just well, giant national support. Theory behind canceling it. Well, they it just said, well, you know, they so were weird. bowing to the pressure of the police are bad and you're glorifying the police, and which is you're just showing the police what they're doing, right? It was, a, it was like a reality show. It was a reality show, I, yeah. I, they, I tuned in. I didn't know they did. I didn't know I they tuned in. Yeah, yeah. That was the number one. That was the number one cable show in the U.S. by by far. And they they said, oh, you know, you're <laughs> they, you know, who they are, are glor glorifying the police and. And all that, so they had to take it off, and they've lost. But I think the one you were telling me about this was it was a cartoon called yeah, Paw, Paw Patrols, <laughs> and it's a cartoon, like an, an actual cartoon, and, and it's all the dog. There's like a fireman dog, there's a policeman <laughs> dog, there's an airplane pilot dog, a doctor dog, and they wanted to either cancel that show or get rid of the police dog because it puts the police in too good a light. So uh, just for the sake of time, too, he goes on to uh, explain that they uh, so they had recently reduced in light of all this, uh, the Black Lives Matter protests, they had reduced police presence in some of the most like poverty ridden uh, high schools in uh, Toronto to like ease this tension. And they blame the removal of these cartoons that that's brainwashing our kids into hating the police. I, I will say two things. 
Paw Patrol, like to say that they just have a cop dog is incredible. I have nephews and nieces. I watch Paw Patrol. Do you know the Paw Patrol has a drone? Hell yeah. <laughs> they have They're a, militarized? Yes, they have a fucking surveillance drone. <laughs> yeah, and also, by the way, like I, I, this has nothing to do with sports or Don Cherry. Um, live PD and cops aren't actually accurate depictions of cop life. Like I know everyone knows this, but like it's it's as deep as like the producers going to someone in handcuffs and telling them, Hey, sign this, uh, sign this release form. Right. And like the perp who's like jacked up on adrenaline is like, um, Oh, a release form. I'll sign it. Uh, cause they think it means they'll get released and no, it's a release form for the TV show. Right. Like they use all sorts of fucking tricks to like both victimize and exploit people that are horrific. Like, yeah, like this goes into my like Don Cherry gullibility theory, where, like, if he watches reality TV, he just thinks it's real, right? Like, he just believes mm-hmm. anything anyone tells him, as long as they're, like, you know, a certain kind of Canadian. This is how he ends this episode, by the way, real quick. Thanks for, uh, you know, as the police say, thanks for all your support for the police over the years. And, and uh, they are the best, and, they, and I don't care what anybody says, and don't pay attention to the left-wing media. Pay, pay attention to the police. They are the best. And if you're in trouble, anybody listening... Uh, if you're in trouble, who's the first person you call? The police. I think a big thing with Don Cherry, because listening to this, you're reminded that Don Cherry at his core is such a fucking boring person. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the things I think that that really needs to be understood is that Canadian right-wing media is filled with, like, quote-unquote intellectuals who speak down to, like, other right-wingers, right? Like, so... Adam, in Canada, we have a position called the Governor General, which is the Queen's representative in Canada. They have to sign every bill before it goes into law. They are the ones who call the elections in the country at the request of the Prime Minister. They are the Queen's liaison, and they do all the ceremonial shit that ensures the wheels of our government turn. And there's a campaign set up by Rebel Media to make Don Cherry Governor General, and there was an op-ed in the paper yesterday by a dude named Rex Murphy, to talk about why Don Cherry should be sh- won't be governor general because he likes people too much. He's too nice. But Rex Murphy is this alien-looking piece of shit who's who yes. just loves the sound of his own voice, right? And loves using big words and stuff like that. And it's like we don't have a real Tucker Carlson type here. We don't have anyone who says it like it is the dispossessed white man. Mm-hmm. The way that Don Cherry is the closest we have to that, right? Which is one of the reasons I think he has such a because even then there is this like intellectual dissonance between people who claim to sort of be anti-intellectual and like salt of the earth types which by the way is a complete contradiction like as well and and like our right-wing media class whereas don cherry is probably the only person i think i can think of off the top of my head who juggles like who who is like I'm just a straight shooter. I use small words. I had to look up what Neanderthal meant in the dictionary when someone told me I looked mm-hmm. like one. Like that, that is something I have been kind of like trying to figure out where, where to stick in is that's exactly Don Cherry's appeal is that there is like that. That's what people like. It's like they're sitting on a couch. Don Cherry comes on. He says what need, what needs to be said that people won't say about hockey. He says what people want that needs to be said that people won't say about politics, about life in Canada I mean, like he just he you know, he's a guy who didn't have it all. And then he by pure force of just being Canadian, he succeeded in Canada. And that's why I think he's never been more 
been a novelty to us in the United States because he is so much more of an expression of Canadian national identity than we would ever get as more than just like, man, that's a guy who wears goofy suits and like talks like an idiot. And like the nuance to Cherry is completely lost on us unless you kind of take some time to dig into it and like are familiar with these kind of like these dynamics between like, you know, Toronto and Ontario and the Plains and like stuff like that. So yeah, he's, yeah, ex- extremely Canadian. <laughs> the, the big thing about Alberta that's touched Alberta politics is something called transfer payments, where they have provinces give money to the have-not provinces mm-hmm. uh, as a form of, like, equalization for social services and stuff like that. And it's like people in Western Canada hate that because our precious oil money is going to Quebec so they can pay for those pussies to have child care. Right, for, shit like that for their national nationalized beret uh, uh, giving <laughs> programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're subsidized they're poutine, poutine program, eaters. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but speaking of uh, also being a truth teller and saying it like it is for all the Canadians who won't, I just want to quickly go through this before the U.S. election. Well, I think we can we can do this in a good amount of time. Um, Don Cherry continuing his dog whistles about the NBA and NFL not quite being uh, you know to his liking. Is Matthews said Austin Matthews from uh, this is remember now. this is by the way about the uh, dress code uh, changing in the NHL. They had relaxed it uh, recently. Oh no! Is Matthews said Austin Matthews from now. Remember now, he's from Arizona. Where is he from in Arizona? Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix, I think. Yeah, somewhere in Arizona. Anyhow, he's he's so happy. He says he's so happy that they're going to relax. The NHL is going to relax. Their dress code. Their dress code is a shirt and tie. And I think he wants Don to knows that Austin himself. Matthews is part the guy Mexican. That I, sorry, that he's from where? That he's part Mexican. Like he's Hispanic. He definitely does he, not. He doesn't know <laughs> that. That would probably change his entire view of him. But he's, he's focused on the American part for this. Okay, okay. Said he is so happy to captain. Uh, so he's playing too. So there goes one of our Canadian heritages down the drain again. I'm going to do a long story on that. And I'm the only guy that noticed it. They'll come in walking like baseball players uh, and football players and basketball players. Yeah, well, Morgan Riley said he's going to wear a shirt. Oh, Morgan Riley, we know a good Canadian boy from Vancouver. Where's he from Vancouver? Yeah, yeah. BC. Yeah. Uh, BC. The gayest he's province. Boy. And Blake Wheeler. He, 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 he came out and said, we're professionals. We have professional standards. Oh, and I, I could go on and on and on. And he does go on and on and on, and he provides more dog whistles. I will say, Austin, know how much work- I will say Austin Matthews is like widely regarded as like one of the best-dressed men in professional sports. He also has, like, <laughs> very low-key Proud Boy vibes. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to get... I know I said, like, basically two things to defend Austin Matthews. Like, I do not like him at all. Like, yeah, he's... He appears to be a, a gross, dumb hockey man. But... They, Don, Cherry, Don Cherry and Austin Matthews have one thing in common, and that's their hatred of P.K. Subban, even though they're both types of players and coaches who should actually love P.K. Subban. You know what I mean? Like, he... in The way P.K. plays, like... And something tells me has very little to do with his playing style and everything to do with, uh, you know, the fact that PK uh, is not white. So uh, before we go into U.S. election, actually, I forgot about this. And the episode before that, uh, right after their uh, 
you know, um, support the police episode. Um, they um, supposedly a Democratic listener had told um, Don Cherry's family that he wasn't happy with the political um, uh, direction that the podcast was taking. Well, a guy in New York, <laughs> I guess, is mad, eh? Because I speak too much about the. Yeah, we lost one guy because he said we were too political talking about the police. He was police. a Democrat and he was upset that we were Supporting. talking about the left. And so. Yeah, about the police. Anyway, so and we just. Police. Uh, two things, though, to add. Before. Yeah, so, I, you know, yes. that's the thing. So but we lose one, we gain more. That's right. But we'd like to thank our sponsor, MyBookie.ag. Remember? <laughs> I like the, like, where we go one, we go all attitude. Like, you know, for every man who falls, we gain 10. It's that, it's that thing of just, like, you know, these people, I'm sure, are very good at their jobs. Most of them aren't, actually, right? Like... And it's just like, yeah, most you know, of them are all failures. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you know, Bill... Bill Belichick is a very good coach. You know, it's fucking undeniable. But, like, his contribution to society compared to actual football players, you know, or anything like that is so inconsequential. It is, like, part of the racial dynamics and class dynamics of the sport that we put coaches, especially in football, actually, up on a pedestal, often above the players so much, right? Um, And especially in hockey, which... Hockey is a game of fucking broken plays, right? It's so hard. And Don mm-hmm. Cherry hates this. Don Cherry hates that international hockey is played on bigger ice and there's more room for maneuvering because he's like, you know, it actually does take away power from the coach a little bit, right? Because it's like <laughs> all you're really doing in hockey coaching is like training and, and doing and setting lineups, right? Like it is incredibly hard to create a coherent tactical play in, in hockey the way you can literally any other sport. Right. It's more about like systems of play than it is. Um, yeah, you guys have been talking a lot of shit. I play hockey, by the way. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, not saying hockey, I'm not saying hockey is bad. I'm just saying, like, no, no, I'm just look, at, look at the way formations exist in like soccer and compare yeah. it to hockey. You know what I mean? Like, hockey is the most reactive sport, which also, mm-hmm. it's also the most reactionary, I guess. Um, but like, you know, you, you don't get a broken play nearly as often in football or basketball mm-hmm. or soccer, yeah. even, right? Like, um, do you guys, so do we have time to go through the last episode I listened to, which was about not only about the U S election, but also about the whole foods poppy controversy that had happened around that time. <laughs> we said, where uh, we imp- said two hours and we're at one. Yeah. I only have, so yeah. yeah. I only, yeah. I was going to say I only have 40 minutes of recorded audio for your section. So. Oh, really? For this section? Okay, sweet. Yeah. So yeah, let's go through this. Um, he shouts out Joe Warmington again when discussing the U.S. election. I guess they're buddies. And Unblock Joe... me, coward. <laughs> Joe, how's you blocked, huh? Well, uh, he should have blocked us because we actually did a whole deep dive on Drum Circle Jerk about uh, his... He got really mad when there was a communist uh, um, uh, uh, protest outside of the Ontario Provincial Building where they had um, a fake uh, noose and a fake guillotine for the politician, and that made him actually scared that he was going to die. For reference, uh, Adam, Joe Warmington is a Toronto Sun columnist who... If you go to his Twitter profile and look at his avi and then look at his picture uh, in real life, you will see you will see exactly the kind of person Joe Warmington is. But Joe Warmington will be writing a story on, like, I don't know, federal deficits, and he'll mm-hmm. get Don Cherry for a quote. Like, he pulls Don Cherry for as many articles as he can, even if they have nothing to do with Don Cherry. It is miraculous that this person 
makes more than the three of us combined. I can't, I can't even think of like a comparable. Th- I mean, I guess it's like when Tucker Carlson has like Portnoy on. I guess like yes, uh, at like least Portnoy, Portnoy is, is a the businessman. Co- you Don, know what I mean? Don Cherry. Don Cherry should have a. This podcast should be on Barstool Sports. To be honest, I'm has Cherry's obviously been on Chicklets, right? He like, must have been. He has to have been. That's their hockey yeah. show, right? Yeah, that's the that's the big hockey show. I mean, yeah. I will say Chicklets like does try to present itself as like sometimes like avoiding things like Don Cherry, but mm. I am certain he's got to have been on it. And if he wasn't, it's just because he couldn't figure out how to use a Zoom call. Especially recently with the Black Lives Matter protests, you know, Dave Portnoy and Barstool really cemented where they stand on that issue. Both with him some and Ron McClain have, by the way. Oh, no, 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 no. We're, Barstool is not dictated by Dave Portnoy. They are oh, all individual oh. actors. You've forgotten this. Like, they don't always agree, and that's okay to not also, agree. <laughs> also, Dave Portnoy is joining the rest of the Warriors online and fighting the stock market uh, together. So uh, he's, he's, he's a, a good man. guy now. Yeah, he's a great guy. I'm so excited <laughs> to throw 200 bucks in AMC tomorrow, the second market's <laughs> open. I'm so I'm so. Oh, international happy. influence on our beloved free market system. <laughs> You you sickos. Um, okay, let's go through this. Well, well, I mean, we you know I, everybody knows that we bet that I said Biden was going to win, and he, in the Joe Warmington's port, you were saying that I was rooting for Biden. That's really, great right up, by the way. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Joe always comes through for Joe us. Joe comes yeah. through all the time for us. But you know, I I I wasn't rooting. For, really keeps for that financial lifeline going for us. But, but but what I said to you, Dad, was I said the problem with Trump was you can't go to war. For for the with the media for four years and expect that's, that's what did it. No, I I used to get the last word all the time when I was in the chips, and uh, somebody say something about me. I you know I'd go on. We we had two million people, two three million people listening all the time. So I used to win all the time. But no, you're right. And uh, what was it? Ninety two percent of the uh, media uh, was against Trump. And he used to, every time he'd have those me those thirty two. Th- how the, how did he lose? Like. Oh, anyhow, and he'd say, um, the, "Oh, so uh, he's an know, election truther and all that stuff and everything." You go to war with the media, <laughs> and um, the the one guy said Levy, I think it was one of the, or no, I don't think it was one of the, said, "If you go to war with the media, you're going to lose," and that's why one of the reasons he lost. And um, I feel sorry for the guy with the plywood, the the, the guys that did the stores all ply. Talking, I guess, about like he he's uh, all the business owners who boarded up their. Uh, their businesses thinking that there'd be riots when Trump won or something. Um, but I have to play you guys list line um, about uh, Biden uh, winning. Well, I'm in Canada of the people in Canada are happy Biden won the Democrats. Right. So after Biden won, by the way, Tim, I'll give you, I, he, he did, I'll give you he won fair, but I don't think he won square. No, that's, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> the fuck does that even mean? You're winning, but I don't think he won square. Uh, Pennsylvania and all that. So anyhow. Stop the steal. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I obviously that. he is that guy because he reads anything. And it's fucking, I mean, that's canon to him. As long, I mean, he obviously, as long as it fits into his worldview. Like, I mean, he won't believe like actual facts if they are in conflict, like in, in conflict with what he believes about the world. 
he goes on, by the way, to, uh, of course, he has to relate this to hockey in some way. Um, so but I didn't know this, but Bobby Orr is like a Republican and he had set Huge up a, racist. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't really know this about him. Um, also, because I'm, as you've seen, I've been slandering hockey. I don't know that much about hockey compared to other sports. Um, he shout had put out, up a. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, oh, shout out Decolonize Hockey. Uh, she is on a one one woman war against uh, Bobby Orr. Uh, so if you need more Bobby Orr facts, go to her. Maybe we should do that with her because, uh, yeah, Bobby Orr had put up like a billboard in a blue county in Massachusetts, which he mm-hmm. got a lot of shit for, supposedly. And yeah, fucking. Um, uh, Don somehow equates this to how good of a hockey player he was and how um uh it it reflects like his grit on the ice it this is like a five minute part of the podcast so i just took a little bit of a 50 second excerpt uh to, for the best parts well it must have worked 46 <laughs> goals 89 assists plus 123 won the scoring title and that's the way he played and that's the way he lives today and he didn't have to he didn't have to take that advertisement out but he believed in trump and i believe in trump too <laughs> Person Canada believes in Trump. Well, it was funny. We were saying that uh, yesterday, when we, or the last one, we were talking about Trump, and we made the bet and everything that uh, on the Twitter and on our Facebook page and everything, we've lost quite a few, well, not a quite a few, but a few viewers said that they were going to go. And I felt like saying, "Did you really was a surprise that Don Cherry was going to be a stretch or what? Going to be for Donald Trump?" Well, so. I'll tell you one thing. I lost a, I lost a lot of money when I got off Sportsnet. And, and I, I'm not going to change now. I mean, that's a, as you got a huge that, buyout. As, there's, a, there's a lot more. Be, a lot of days behind years me old. in front of me. Yeah, he and he, he was about to say there's a lot of days behind me than there are ahead of me. So I'm just going to fucking double down on my racist uh, rhetoric. <laughs> Honestly, that, that is the most admirable thing about him. That is powerful. You know what I mean? Like, you can't expect a man like this to change. And uh, why would you want to? He just provides an endless amount of takes and content. That that's our episode on Don Cherry. That's the end of the first episode of season two of Off Court Pod. I just got a message from a producer talking about wanting to do a exit yeah, meeting for too. season one before we start season two. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Kyle. I'm going to quickly recommend uh, two podcasts. I'm going to recommend Burn It Down, hosted by Shereen Ahmed mm-hmm. and a couple other people. Um, I didn't realize this actually until recently. I got a message from Shereen on Twitter, uh, and she's like holy shit, you're Abdul. I'm like, what? He's like, I knew you since you were a baby. Like, I'm Shireen, your close family friend. I went to university with your brother. I'm like, oh, fuck, that's fucking cool. wild. Yeah, and she just became... But she's a- great. She's yeah, great. She-, she became a sports journalist, but, like, yeah, like, my entire life, she's been at our house and, like, uh, around our house and stuff like that, and it's like, I never connected the dots. But yeah, that's really sweet. And she's a great person with a great podcast. Um, and apparently, mm-hmm. like not apparently, a good friend of the family. Please check her out. The other podcast I'm going to recommend is The Broadscast, which is a um, mm-hmm. a podcast about hockey and soap operas hosted by five, uh, six women, um, which like does really good like sort of analysis of gender roles in hockey and like sort of it's you know the relationship of women to i think the sport and sports in general um and has also been the victim of like the barstool mob for as long as they've been around and like is continually does it to the point where like i don't know what about them triggers these people the most you know what i mean but like like the point of like having like people trying to break into their dms and like going through their history and like all sorts of other like whack shit um 
but they're great. Highly recommend uh, and very well worth your support. Adam, where can people find you? Plug, plug away. Yeah. Um, well, we, A, are on Means TV, which is a workers-owned entertainment collective uh, started by someone who worked pretty closely with the AOC campaign uh, on the first, first when she first got elected. Um, mm-hmm. We are also beginning to kind of branch out into just like giving you most of the episodes on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is Means TV as well. Um, but we are trying to just kind of grow it. We do, uh, you know, we, we do this basically, I guess. Um, we kind of just go through everything in sports for you. Uh, you know, we try to keep it humorous. We try to keep it very informative. We all have a pretty diverse background in what I think we bring to the analysis. So there's a little bit of something for everybody. I mean, we always joke that, I mean, I know this podcast probably isn't going to have this problem, but like it is very accessible to people who don't like sports or like maybe your friends that, you know, uh, that have conceded the arena of sports to uh, the reactionary right. And you can show them this, that uh, they don't have to make sports ball jokes anymore and uh, be resentful towards sports. There is a place for the left to uh, to take advantage of these things that we all enjoy, or at least a lot of people enjoy, and some people could maybe enjoy again if they weren't if there weren't institutional barriers to them uh, playing the sports, enjoying the sports, or just feeling human uh, watching them. Like you said with the broadcast, uh, you know, we, it's our job to eliminate that. So yeah, Maurice, Adam, and Nathan are absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend Southpaw Sports. Um, And yeah, like the thesis of our show and the whole reason we're doing this is to sort of demonstrate the ways in which sports is so key to understanding capitalism in the modern world. Um, At this point, you'll have heard our episode about the YMCA being the key factor in the creation of Israel, (laughs) um, as well as other like couple of, you know, topics that we've gone over. Um, And like, yeah, you know, like no leftist should be dismissive of sports or do bread and circuses rhetoric. It's, it's so it is the monumental cultural force that drives our lives above any other cultural force. And it's so intertwined with capitalism that like, it's fun. You know I mean? That's the worst part about it is like on top of everything, it's enjoyable. It is like a, a fun thing to watch with your friends. And it doesn't alienate all the people, you know, because you're arguing about fucking tendency or some bullshit, right? Like it is, such a pure idea of like narrative story and like emotion wrapped up in a very uh don't like the word problematic very complicated uh, world it's no more problematic than anything else that you fucking engage with under capitalism absolutely and it is it is it is antithetical to a materialist analysis to say that sports is inherently fascist except for football football is inherently fascist (laughs) i'll concede that but uh but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, kind of, I mean, I get not liking it because you know what, you know, sports programs have cut into the arts budget. Sports has cut into public funding for housing. I mean, but to just dismiss it and be like, oh, well, like if you like it, you're just a, you're, you're lumping, lumping pro. Like it's just nonsense. Don't do that. And yeah, thank you so much for listening to season one. Hope you enjoy season two. We have some stuff coming up, including an episode on Mamba mentality. Um, 
and a really amazing dive into Pat Tillman, which yes. I'm super excited to get into. I, I actually, Aton, I'm, I'm going to see if I can reach out to John Krakauer and see if we can talk to him wow. about the book. I have a, I have a direct line to him cool. through an old teacher, so I'm going to see if I can get his contact. I'm, very cool. Yeah, um, I haven't. I've only read a, a small uh, summary of the book, but I have the PDF on me. I can't wait to, to dive into it's, it. It's yeah. I need to check that out. I didn't realize that. I love uh, all of his books, so I oh yeah, check. where men win glory is the book, and it's it's uh-huh. John Krakauer's history of um, Pat Tillman, but he ties Pat Tillman into like the failure of um oh who's the guy who did uh end of history uh, into the failure of francis fukuyama mm-hmm. into the hit failure of great man theory into sort of the apparatus of of americans like statehood and the idea of yeah. like transformative power mm-hmm. but yeah we'll get into that thank you so much for listening and uh yeah hope you enjoyed the don cherry episode all the best everyone if you like this episode, if you like our engaging, astute, brilliant, beautiful political analysis, and you want to find out more or hear more from people who are almost but not as quite as good as we are, uh, you can you can check out Harbinger's entire cross-country lineup of podcasts. Just kidding. They're very smart and very beautiful and very hot. We love them. Um, you can check out Harbinger's cross-country lineup of podcasts. Get access to exclusive shows and content at harbingermedianetwork.com. And you can check out all the podcasts, all the content, all the awesome work being done at The Mind Refinery online and uh, and all their other stuff at themindrefinery.com. 